Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And this week we're starting a new series. Ooh. For September, we are going to be covering movies directed by women. Hey. Yeah. So we are going to start with a movie that neither of us had seen, Orlando. Young nobleman Orlando is commanded by Queen Elizabeth I to stay forever young. Miraculously, he does just that. The film follows him as he moves through several centuries of British history, experiencing a variety of lives and relationships along the way, and even changing gender. Yep. For you and for your heirs, Orlando, the house. Your Majesty, I am forever... But on one condition, do not fade. Do not wither. Do not grow old. This is a weird movie. It is a very weird movie. Love the idea of it. I think that's really cool. I really want to read the book now. Yeah, it's based on a story by Virginia Woolf. Mm -hmm. I love the idea. And I like the whole fact that Orlando, you know, is immortal, essentially. And then at some point, he changes genders to a woman and then all of the luxury he had as a man, he no longer has because of the times and, you know, patriarchy's bullshit. Yep. And being a woman blows no matter what century it is. Yeah. So dealing with that and it's just really cool. And I would love to see this movie redone. Oh, this movie does make you think. I do believe it suffers from the sort of Kubrick issue of too much visual storytelling this movie goes on for a very long time where nothing actually happens and then when something does happen it's so quick it's not explained it's very hard to follow what is actually going on it feels like it's very assumed that you already know the story going in yeah and then next thing you know he's now a woman and she has to deal with all this garbage and then she has a lot of sex with the dude, and then it's modern day. There's there's a few thread lines. I mean, he, he sort of forswears women forever because of this horrible experience with a romance. There are moments where it's grasping at a plot, mm-hmm. but it doesn't ever, it's like it's half-heartedly going for it and then just says, ah, fuck it, we're just going to keep going. It just doesn't make any sense, and it's, it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's it's not a good movie. It's it's an interesting story. And you're right. I do want to read the book. I want to read the source material. And I think this would be a great movie to do today. Yeah. To still keep the, you know, maybe not do centuries long, but a decades long story. And that would be so interesting. That actually could be a really cool television series or miniseries. I think this would work immensely well as a miniseries. Four to six episodes, maybe? Where you you broke down those story segments mm-hmm. into an hour apiece. Because I actually enjoyed the whimsy of it. I yes. I would agree that I don't necessarily think it's a good movie, but I did enjoy it a bit more because of the humor, because of sometimes just the randomness mm-hmm. and the wink and a nod to the audience, which I think was really fun and appreciated. But this movie is an hour and a half, and that's not enough time to really spend with this character to absorb that. Mm-hmm. So the writing, our writer is Sally Potter, who is also our director. Before this, she wrote a couple of shorts and then 
If she wrote it, she also directed it. So we're, I'm just going to do her credits all as one. A short called Jerk, Play, another one called Hors d'oeuvres, Thriller, and then Tears, Laughter, Fears, and Rage, which was a TV miniseries. And then after this, The Tango Lesson, The Man Who Cried, Yes, Rage, Ginger and Rosa, The Party, and Molly. Lots of indie stuff. Mm-hmm. She has not made it big in any way. I think that's intentional. I don't think she tries you know, to make um, big movies. No, she's she's writing stuff that she's passionate about, and then that's what she's making. So that's awesome. And, you know, fame is not always the goal, and it's not necessarily important. I think the writing's horrible, because it doesn't make any sense. This is one of those movies that feels like a museum piece mm-hmm. more than a popcorn movie. There are some movies out there that are really well appreciated Mm -hmm. and really influential films that are not things that you would pay tickets to to go to a cinema to see. They're movies that if they showed them at your modern art museum, that you would sit and watch an experience. I'm immediately thinking of a movie I saw in high school called The Color of Pomegranates, Mm. which is really more of a visual poem than it is an actual movie. (laughs) And this has a lot of those elements it does and i don't disagree it's like a series of vignettes that they put together as a movie which i think can be appreciated but the vignettes don't make sense on their own but then they also don't make sense when you string them together to me you have to do one or the other right like if you're gonna go full art museum thing just go there and do it well it should be this is what orlando is dealing with this century this is what orlando is dealing with this century oh now orlando's a woman this is what orlando's dealing with this century this is just so on and so forth it's just like we had a switch and then things change and that's okay but that doesn't happen and in between those things feel really mushy yeah this full film feels mushy and i don't mean that in the ooey gooey romance sense i feel i mean that in the my brain can't comprehend what you're doing right now because mm-hmm. you've left it really vague yeah. <laughs> it's just the writing is really not good at all this is not a story that you need to throw a bunch of pretense on top of you just don't sally potter and tilda swinton our star started collaborating on the project before the script had been written And this collaboration lasted five years before the film actually began shooting. They went with feeling as opposed to words, it feels like. Like, this feels like a snooty college student. Like, like I'm going to, we're going to emote here. (laughs) And and then went from there. Actually, to help find the character of Orlando, Sally Potter and Tilda Swinton rented some costumes from Burnham's and Nathan's in London and did a photo shoot. And all of Orlando's looks to the camera came from this photo shoot that's where they figured they decided to do that that's why those moments are so perfectly placed in the movie that's my favorite part of this movie they're great but they're done so poorly Mm, i really enjoyed them especially near the second half of this movie after the transformation something clicked with the movie and the pacing to me which i really started enjoying it a lot more Mm mm-hmm by that point, we were used to the style of storytelling. We were used to what we were seeing. And now it felt like, well, things are rolling downhill. Like we're not yeah. trying to set anything up. But the exposition is so poorly done at the top that you don't have any idea what's going on. It's just not, it's not good. <laughs> and then the direction is just poor. This is so, this is not good. Here's a question for you. 
Would this work better as a performance piece? If you told me it was a performance piece and we were watching it in separate little chunks, like through an art gallery, it would be so much better. Yeah, or we were watching it in a black box. No, because none of the scenes connect. The story does not connect. The only through line is that we have a character named Orlando from beginning to end. That's it. Hmm. And that is not enough to make this a good movie. Yeah. We, we always talk about this with these. I am forever calling it the Kubrick problem of if I have to have... Kubrick ten- rule. If, if I need context to understand or enjoy your movie, it's not a good movie. And at this point, I feel like I need to have read Virginia Woolf's story in order to understand what's going on here. Yeah. And I, I quite honestly read the Wikipedia page several times to make sure I was like, Wait, is that what happened? Yeah, to go through the plot line by line to figure out what was happening because I was so confused by this movie. <laughs> and I was fully paying attention. I did not check out. No, I know. I, I wasn't either. And I, I will agree. The first half confused me. It really got me in the second half with its mood and tone. And I just sort of went like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is. Well, and then I felt horrible because I was like, it's our first lady director movie. And I hate it. <laughs> But it's a weird one, right? It, it's a weird movie. And there are some things in this movie that I definitely think we do appreciate. Yes. The best part of this movie, our cast, which is made up of Tilda Swinton. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Before this, she was in Caravaggio, Your Cheatin' Heart on TV, and Man to Man. After this, she was in The War Zone, The Beach, Vanilla Sky, Constantine, Chronicles of Narnia as the White Witch, Michael Clayton, Burn After Reading, We need to talk about Kevin, Moonrise Kingdom, Hail Caesar, Doctor Strange, Isle of Dogs, Suspiria, and she's got a bunch of stuff coming up. My first introduction to Tilda Swinton was Chronicles of Narnia, and then directly after was Michael Clayton. I think so. What came before that, though? Vanilla Sky and Constantine were the big ones. She was in the beach. That was Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, weirdly, I knew of this movie when I was going through my snooty art phase. So this is... I'm I'm sorry, going through? You're not still in that phase? Have you listened to our new movies episode? I just went to see Hobbs and Shaw. (laughs) That's because I forced you to. (laughs) And you complained about it for a solid 20 minutes until the movie started. Well, it's true. But I mean, when I was like intentionally sitting down watching Criterion movies. I understand. And this was one that I think popped up on the radar as a, hey, you might be interested in this. And I think that's one of the reasons I wound up saying, suggesting it was because this one had always looked kind of fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Tilda Swinton. She's fabulous. Yes. And this She's... gave her sort of a break onto a bigger stage as an actor. Granted, it was not a large movie, but it was definitely noticed by a lot of people. Well, and she's the movie. Yeah. And then you have the added aspect that Tilda Swinton leans into her androgyny, which was has been this thing that is super unusual. She's really great. She's amazing. She's amazing in the movie. I wish she had some meat to like really like. It's a shame the script is so horrible because she could knock it out of the park. She can. She can do absurd so well. It's so hard because to me, I don't have as much of a problem with the script, specifically because you mentioned that it is a devised piece for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. It's a collaboration that they worked on for years in developing this idea. Yeah. 
And what resulted was something in between sort of just a visual artwork and an actual story. And because you're in between those two things, it's just muddled and weird. Like to me, I think if you'd gone either direction, this movie could be appreciated really well on its merits. Mm-hmm. But you had to pick one. And I don't think Sally Potter and Tilda Swinton did that. And we're not sure what we're supposed to make of this movie. Exactly. I think where the writing is bad is that it's not quite fully formed yet. It's not fully developed into the story mm-hmm. they wanted it to be. And that being said, I love how she presents in front of the camera, how she evolves through the timeline, through the knowledge of all of these different things that Orlando has gone through. It is fascinating to watch how she reacts to that and just grows, and you see that growth in her performance. Hmm. Lady Orlando. The same. We wish to inform you, Madam, that you are a party to several major lawsuits that have been preferred against you concerning the property, the family seat. Pray continue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. One, you are legally dead and therefore cannot hold any property whatsoever. Ah. Oh. Fine. Two, you are now a female. Which amounts to much the same thing. Pending the legal judgment, however, you have the law's permission to reside in the property in a state of incognito. Or incognita, as the case may be. Okay, so she's almost the entire movie. So there's really not much to talk about unless the cast are on screen for like five minutes or less. Uh-huh. So I'm calling them all Arpons. Yeah. We've got Quentin Crisp as Queen Elizabeth. You might have seen him previously in Hamlet. He was Which a- one? The one he was in. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big stage performer. That's his thing. Then we've also got Jimmy Somerville as the falsetto angel. He's the lead singer of Bronski Beat. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we have Toby Jones as the second ballet. This is his film debut. Hey, Toby Jones. Toby Jones. I adore him. He's so entertaining. I will never forget him as Carl Rove in Oliver Stone's W. That was pretty good casting. Yeah. Last but certainly not least, we have Billy Zane as Shelmerdine. He gets second billing, but he's only in the movie for maybe eight minutes. I mean, I, I get it when this whole movie is based around one person. You yeah. know, second billing does not mean a whole lot. This is back when Billy Zane was really, really pretty. Yeah, this is before Titanic. Those sideburns could not be more fake, <laughs> which I found really obnoxious. I think the thing I hated the most was his name because Orlando says it over and over again and it just sounds like this made up garbage word instead of someone's name. And I don't know if it's the way it's being said or it's the word itself, but it's just a weird name. Yeah, I don't know. Shelmerdine. He's pretty though. He is pretty. He's always been pretty. That's it for our cast. Let's do trivia. Okay. And if we haven't been explicit about this before, we should be we want to be explicit now. 
we do all of our research via IMDb and Wikipedia for yeah. these movies. So we go through it and that's how we that's where we're pulling the actors' filmographies from. That's where we're pulling trivia from. And then we kind of edit it to move it around to the relevant talking points and sometimes we remove stuff because we're like, everybody knows that we don't care or this is a really long story about something that is not relevant to the conversation we're going to have, but it is coming from IMDb and Wikipedia. Also, if you ever find one of those facts and it's a movie you care a whole lot about and you've like read a book on it or something and you're like, that's not true. Hey, tell us. Tell us. And then also you can update it on IMDb and Wikipedia. Like you can make those updates. Yes, definitely do that as well. But like tell us and then we'll be like, oh, hey, somebody mentioned this. They really, you know, knew about this. And actually it was this thing. Instead and of over the, the years, they've gotten a lot better about updating and removing stuff that people involved in the productions and whatnot have said that's not true. That didn't actually happen. As Orlando progresses throughout the years, during each new incarnation, actress Tilda Swinton's eye color changes. Which I did like. I did notice that. Orlando's daughter is played by Tilda Swinton's real-life niece, Jessica Swinton. Oh, that's very sweet. That's very cute. And that is a beautiful scene right up until the very end where it gets bizarre. And yet I still kind of love it. I don't know. The drinking scene in the desert with Orlando and the con is based on something that actually happened during production. Sally Potter set up a banquet in the desert to woo a local Russian mayor into letting them use a local castle for some shoots. During the banquet, some Russian alcohol was served by the mayor, but the production crew were unable to swallow the drink straight. (laughs) Oh, that's that's that strong Russian liquor. Mm -hmm. That scene is brilliant. It is hilarious. Some costumes from this film were featured in an exhibit, The Hollywood Costume, at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London in 2012, and then it was later moved to the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles, and it feature, they feature the Queen Elizabeth costume worn by Quinn Crisp. Oh, yeah. No. Costumes are gorgeous. Well, yeah. It's funny you talk about this being an art house movie, because there's a whole section on Wikipedia about a 2017 arts project called Orlando, the queer element. This project explored issues of science and gender through history and was organized by the theater company Clay and Diamonds. Well, yeah, it's, it's being talked about in that way. There's something to this whole thing could be deconstructed into a performance art mm-hmm. piece that would be really impactful, but the way it's structured now just doesn't work. Well, that's why I also think that this this movie would be great and relevant now, given all the conversations we're having about gender identity and gender politics. This would be a perfect movie to update and redo. Same person. No difference at all. Just a different sex. And also to dive into the deeper history, as we've gotten more knowledge, as we studied those things in history more, we found a whole lot more instances of differing gender identities throughout history. Well, and also, this is a perfect story to present historical context for those issues. Absolutely. Which that would be really, and I think you're right, I think a miniseries would be perfect for this. Award. Awards. This movie was nominated for two awards okay in the 1994 oscars which was a really big year it was nominated for best art direction it was up against the adams family values schindler's list the age of innocence and the remains of the day can you guess who won schindler's list correct yeah 
It was also up for Best Costume Design against Schindler's List, The Age of Innocence, The Piano, and The Remains of the Day. Age of Innocence? Correct. Okay. All right. So it did not win, but it was nominated for two Oscars. There's just enough of a fantasy element Mm -hmm. that it doesn't feel like pure historical reconstruction. There's obviously a ton of research that went yes. into those costumes. Yes, but these are fiction. This is focused on a fictional character. You always get the sense with the way things are designed in the movie that everything is just slightly off from history. Mm-hmm. Everything feels just a little too extra for what it really would have been. Right? I don't know. There's there's something about it, and I think that subtlety is what really shines in these costumes and in the designs. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate them a lot. They do a lot of lifting in this movie, along with Tilda Swinton. Yeah. So that's it. That's all I got for this movie. It's a short one. I mean... It's, it's not much of a cast. There's just... It's very condensed film. So unfortunately, it's not a super meaty one for us. I can guarantee there will be more discussion on our future films in the series. Oh, plenty. Mm-hmm. Plenty, plenty. So we got to come up with our rating system. Hmm. How many weird gold angels? I was about to say, how many singing angels will you give this film? Oh, I'm going to split the uprights and go two and a half. Ugh. It's not a great movie, but it caught me. There were a lot of things about it that sort of pulled me in. And by the end of the movie, I felt myself sort of smiling and being like, I like this. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's successful, but I like this. Okay. It is messy as hell, and it's not a movie for everyone. It's just not. But I think if if the idea of this movie fascinates you, give it a shot. That's what I would say. And see how you come away from it. That's fair. I'm going with one and a half. Also fair. Because I love Tilda Swinton. I love the idea. But that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got for this movie. Right, we have a ton more coming up, right? Yeah, we have several films coming up. But next week, we're going to do Monster. That one was directed by Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman herself. We are going with a now big name director, breakout actress, who is now a legitimate movie star. Which is co-starred by a legitimate movie star. And a story that is dark and haunting and intense. And it's a good movie. Yeah, I think we'll have a little bit more to talk about and be a little more positive about the lady director this time. everybody so we've not been doing our recent movies for a while we've had really sporadic movie viewing this year so far and then we've been really busy watching these movies for summer of swayze and the director series and all these different things we've got going on so we gotta catch up so we're gonna start with this movie we saw way back when detective pikachu may 10th yeah that was a while ago yeah we saw it I did not grow up with Pokemon. Well, okay, correction. Pokemon existed. My younger sister was obsessed with it. Now, she's eight years younger than me, and this is literally all she talked about for about three years straight, so I hated her because none of us cared about what Pokemon was or understood it, and it was literally the only thing she could talk about. So that's my context for seeing this movie. I had zero. I missed Pokemon entirely. I was in the age gap. Around the time it would have been popular, but slightly too old. Yeah. I was in the weird in-between group that just didn't get it. 
Yeah, I just didn't care. But but it looked cute. The movie, the preview was great. So we went and saw it and it was really fun. And I don't think you needed any context to like the movie. Having all of that history made you like it more and get more jokes, sure. But it was so fun. The world they created was incredible. The CGI they did for the actual Pokemon was, was fantastic. It was just the right mix of obviously being CGI, but also feeling like, no, you had the practical like animatronic Pokemon there with you, which I don't think is that true at all. But like that's the style they took and it was really well done. But still with all of that sense of animation that you had from the original show. Yeah, and it was great. And, you know, Ryan Reynolds doing his thing is just adorable. There's been some healthy criticism of this movie over its messaging, which I kind of agree with in context. Our bad guy is problematic, just to put it lightly. Yeah. The movie's really good. The plot gets a little off the rails before the end of it, but you don't really care by that point because you're just so charmed. It was just fine. Yep. So, yeah. Next up, you saw The Hustle. Yeah, so this is a, The Hustle with Rebel Wilson and Anne Hathaway. That's a complete remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which I didn't know at the time was a remake of a previous film. I grew up watching Dirty Rotten Scoundrels at least weekly. My brother used to imitate Steve Martin doing Ruprecht the Monkey Boy all the time. That's just like in my DNA. So I had to go see this. David's mom loves seeing stupid movies like this. So we're like, let's go. And it was fun. It was Almost identical to the original with gender swapped updates, but it was fun. Super stupid, but fun. I don't know. I just, I'm in favor of remakes when you're doing something interesting and different with the story. I wish they would have done something better with the the villain because it was just so obvious and we knew it was coming and a couple times they faked you out and made you think, oh, well, that's not what's going to happen, but then it does. And so that was disappointing. But I still really enjoyed watching the movie. I mean, I love Rebel Wilson. She is hilarious. And Anne Hathaway with Rebel Wilson is also a delight. And speaking of remakes. Oh, yeah. I saw another remake. I took her daughter. She needed some mommy time. So I saw Aladdin. Okay. Every time a Disney remake like this comes up, Mm -hmm. we got to ask the question, how well does it compare to the other one? The things that were problematic about the animated Aladdin, which is great as just a movie, as an experience is great. But there are things that are problematic, that are really racist. All the cast is white. Aladdin is played by Steve Wagner, who plays Steve on Full House. That might be the whitest sentence ever. It really, it, his name is Steve Steve. So they fixed that. There, I don't remember seeing a white person in the movie. So that's great. And they changed some lyrics to songs to kind of get, they got rid of the, you know, where they cut off your ear if they don't like, your face it's barbaric but hey it's home they they got rid of that they gave jasmine a lot more agency and they gave her a sidekick played by nasim pedrad who is phenomenal i love her she was one of the best additions to new girl she's fabulous in this movie and will smith was the perfect casting choice i know everyone got really crazy like pissed about the whole blue thing But he spends very little time in the movie in that blue form. So, yeah, I didn't like the blue either, but he's not that the whole movie. So that's okay. And he really did bring that Will Smith showman thing that he does so well to that character. And I think that is a great way to continue on that character without Robin Williams, who did an amazing job. 
And without trying to just redo what Robin Williams did. Exactly. So I feel like this was a really good live action update to this story. That's good to hear. That is. So yeah, it was great. Next up, an early contender for us for one of the best movies of the year. Uh Uh-huh. It's Rocket Man. Oh my God. Rocket Man was so good. And I went into it. I'm not a huge Elton John fan. Like I'm just like, I like him. I know he writes really great songs that I enjoy singing half the words that I know too, but I, I'm not like this diehard fan. It's very similar to how I went into Queen. Like I love Queen. I know like the songs I know, I know and I love them, but I don't like, I'm not fanatical about their life, but this was the most beautiful story done in the best way. This is the movie Bohemian Rhapsody wanted to be. It really is. And got cut off at the knees by the studio. And what's funny is the people who did Rocket Man finished Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. This is just a much better and much gayer story in the best way. Oh, uh, yeah. Taron Egerton is fantastic. I hope he gets 8,000 more dramatic-esque roles out of this because he was beautiful as as Elton. He just was. There's going to be so much talk about gritty male performances this entire award season, and I swear somebody needs to bring up the fact that he gives a very extravagant outward performance mm-hmm. that is just as good as any of the sort of internalized dark things that we've seen. Because that's all in there. And I love the constructs they use to tell that story. The music's great. There's a fantastical element that they show in the trailers that I was really concerned. I was like, oh, this is going to go crazy. But it didn't. It was just a more about the feeling that he was having or there's a whole, there's a big focus on his drug use. Yeah. And part of that experience that was done both very intelligently, cinematically, respectfully, but also like not pretending that like he was not a good boy. (laughs) Well, and Elton himself said, I don't care about the public image. I want to tell the true story. Warts and all, tell my story. I don't don't know how quote unquote true all of it is, but let's tell a good story and let's not, let's not dance around the problems because everybody knows about that yeah true true to life true true to the experience of what it was being in it jamie bell as bernie Taupin is also amazing just lovely their relation i i almost wish they talked more about their relationship because it's just so beautiful and unusual because bernie writes all the words and then gives them to elton and then elton turns it into the song and sings it yep that's it that's how it works they don't talk about a whole lot but it's just uh, it's just how much those those gentlemen do truly love each other, and it's completely platonic. Completely, and it's just it's beautiful. We need more of that. We always need more. Of we that need more of that. Men. And then we have Richard Madden playing John Reed. Mm-hmm. Sexy as fuck. And then evil. And then evil, but also sexy as fuck. The two of them together is sexy as fuck. I love it. It's so cute. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a there's, a there's really... some delightful scenes with them. Yeah. And then right. some really horrifying scenes with them. Yeah. It's a beautiful movie. It's Everybody great. needs to see it. And I really, really hope that this rises above some of the kind of gross stuff that we may be seeing coming down the pike. Next up was Men in Black International. Sexiest bisexual movie ever. Truth. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. <sighs> this movie was a little bit of a disappointment because you just see it all coming. But I will say this. I like the new take on everything. I like Tessa Thompson. You know, her whole thing is that she saw something when she was a kid. And so she wanted to find this organization. 
and she finds them. And like, and then Emma Thompson is the head of it. And there's just all these jokes about, we're called the men in black. Don't, don't, don't even start. I've tried. It's not <laughs> worth it. No, just, just no. It's just great. It's, there's a lot of cute calls to that. And you know, Chris Hemsworth is adorable. It's a, it's a really crummy and predictable plot. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very mediocre popcorn movie that isn't that exciting. And the only thing that keeps it from being an absolute bore are the actors involved. Which is to their credit. They're, oh, yeah. They're, it's, a, it's a wonderful cast. Liam Neeson is great. It's just, it, yeah, it was just a popcorn movie. This is one of those that wait until it's streaming somewhere on a service you already have and then just watch it then. Next was the other big anticipated Marvel movie of the year, Spider-Man Far From Home. This was so good. And I was so nervous about this movie. <laughs> I really I really was. I was so worried. Okay, you guys hit it out of the park with Homecoming and then we just had this huge shift in the Marvel universe with Endgame. This takes place after Endgame. So what are you going to do to Spider-Man? And I was so worried it was going to be a lot of teen eggs. My standing dad is dead. And I'm grump. I thought it was going to be so much of that rehashing stuff and the origin stories and they didn't do it. It's talked about because it has to be, but it's got the lightest touch and then it also has that tony stark sense of humor that they call into it there's a lot with happy that is hilarious and also very adorable along with aunt may as well it's so good and then there's the whole thing that he wants to deal with his feelings for mj which is exactly what a 15 16 year old would want to do they don't play the tony stark angle as much as they could have Instead, they play the, he's 16, and after seeing what happened to Tony, he really just wants to, like, get through high school. Like, his whole thing is, I want to take a break. I want to go on my trip with my schoolmates and tell a girl that I like her. Yeah. That's what I want to do. That's the plot of the movie. (laughs) Which is fabulous. And all of that gets screwed up in the best superhero way. And then you get maniacal Jake Gyllenhaal, who's star in these really dark, twisty, dramatic roles, has mm-hmm. has come around recently, and I, now he's taking that and really pouring it into a Marvel villain. Well, and also having previously been attached to Spider-Man during the Tobey Maguire years, he was supposed to take over for him because Tobey Maguire got injured. And they're like, oh, we're going to replace you with Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal started working out to get ready to do it. And Toby said, no, I'll finish him. I'll do number three. That's, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. So it's kind of cool that he finally gets to be in a Spider-Man movie. His character is wonderful. The villain is just so intelligent and not in a fantastical way, but in very still very grounded. Like, OK, like this is cool. And then oh, stay all of the extras could not be more consequential. I've never seen a mid-credit or end-credit sequence that shift so much <laughs> going forward as I have in this film. And I think that's amazing for their first film after Endgame. It was really stinking good. You know, I would still put Spider-Verse and Homecoming above this in terms of Spider-Man movies just because of how good and how needed they were. And Spider-Verse for being so, you know, incredibly, amazingly new. I'm going to say no with Homecoming. Homecoming didn't need to exist. It could have never happened and that would have been fine. This movie had the hardest job of being the first superhero movie after Endgame. And they knocked it out of the park. It was like, we're going to be okay. 
We're going to keep going. It's going to be fine. And all those characters that we've met and those like Black Panther, Captain Marvel, we're going to keep going and it's going to be fine just because Tony's not with us anymore. Yeah. This universe still exists and is going to going to grow. And I love that. And that's what this movie had to accomplish. So in that regard, this movie is way more important than Homecoming. Into the Spider-Verse is just its own fucking amazing thing. There are some very obvious homages to Into the Spider-Verse in this film. Yes. They they did a couple of uh, camera moves that are exact shots from that film that I can you can just look at them and go, oh, they did that in Spider-Verse. And I love that. I just really need Tom Holland to walk down the street and say, hey, Miles, to some kid. And that'd be Miles Morales. And so I just need that a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. It would make me happy. They're going to cross those two over at some point. I hope so. Just for a moment. All right. Next, I saw Toy Story 4. I I did not. Uh, Yes, I went and saw this with our daughter. She needed to get out. And so we went and saw Toy Story 4. And I did not like it. Oh, oh, no. There's something really creepy about this film. Uh Uh-oh. And it's not the ventriloquist dummies. There's something really sinister about what's happening and there's this whole lost toy and abandonment issues. And then it's not good. There's a whole thing where a character steals something from another character. And it's it's just feels really, really bad. We didn't need this story at all. It didn't complete anything. It actually raises a lot more questions about the toys than we needed. Because, <laughs> because in three, the message was like, yeah, you're going to grow up. But your toys will still live on. And this the message of this story is that you have to leave your friends and go have an adventure. It's just, it's weird. That's creepy. It's a very creepy story, and it wasn't necessary at all. Oh, fun. So yeah, I would skip Toy Story 4 and pretend it didn't happen. Next, we saw Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> that David was such a dick about. He's like, I'm not going to see that movie. I don't want to see it. And I was like, that just looks like really hot dudes punching and driving cool cars. Like, I want to see it. And when we were in Baltimore, we needed some downtime. We needed to not be in the hotel and not be at the convention. So we went to a movie theater and that was playing at an appropriate time. I was like, fuck it. We're watching that movie. And it was awesome. It was great. It was so fun. It was exactly what you wanted from a popcorn action movie. Yeah. It was funny. It was stupid. They didn't say family 8,000 times for a Fast and the Furious movie. So it was great. It helps when you don't have asshole Vin Diesel attached to it, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm pro no Vin Diesel. <laughs> Most people are at this point. Yeah. So I'm all about The Rock and Jason Statham. There's a funny little Italian job joke, which I love that movie. So that made me happy. I mean, I'll, I'll make the mea culpa. I got caught in the reverse trailer issue, mm-hmm. which is that the trailer was not good for the movie. I don't agree with that at all. That trailer made me think it was going to take itself way too seriously. Mm-mm. And I was not prepared for them to go full comedy with it. And when they did, I was pleasantly surprised and mm-hmm. then was able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So that's just my expectation of it was like, oh, no, they're going to do another Fast and Furious semi-serious story with these two guys who could be way funnier. Also, it's the first time in a long time we've got to see Jason Statham be funny like that. He's very good when he's funny, like he was in The Italian Job. Like he was in Snatch. Oh, I forgot about Snatch. But he's the straight man in Snatch. I know. It's amazing. He He, doesn't even throw a punch. He's fabulous when 
he's surrounded by buffoons. Uh-huh. He really is. Uh. And he's very attractive. So it's a win for everybody. It's a great movie. All right, next we saw, actually, next we saw Spider-Man 2 again <laughs> because we wanted to. And it was just as fun the second time around. <laughs> but then we saw The Farewell. Oh. Aquafina is the shit. She really is. She's amazing. Everybody in that movie's great. They are. They they truly are. It's a great story. And I think it has a really good message. I'm hesitant to talk about it because I don't want to spoil too much. It is based on a real story. The director, the filmmaker, it's her story. And it's just it's just such a good film. I really hope it gets some recognition at the awards. I think it's so easy. Lots of critics wrote this off as, you know, this is just weird and what a strange way to treat things and totally missed the cultural point of it. Mm -hmm. And once you understood that cultural premise, it becomes this true examination of a family story. It's a different kind of family story for some people because we're not used to it. But honestly, if you go in and watch this movie, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you are from China you're still going to relate to the family so, dynamics involved. Yeah, the family dynamics and the the fear of losing someone important to you. And so it's a really good movie. If it's near you, go see it because it, it's really great. And Aquafina is amazing. I know everybody knows her from her YouTube videos or Crazy Rich Asians or Ocean's 8. But she plays this so well and she's not wacky or zany at all. She's just real. She's a vi- She's like... A true blue actress in this film. Not to say the comedy part isn't, but you know what I mean. It's just so different from what we've seen from her. She's fabulous. And last, but certainly not least, I went and saw Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Took my daughter with that and my mother-in-law, and we had a wonderful time. It was so cute. (laughs) Now, she was not a Dora fan. She's seven now. But she was not a Dora fan growing up. Her cousin was, because her cousin looks a lot like Dora. But we wa- we had watched Dora, so okay. And the movie looked cute, so we went and saw it, and it was hilarious. Lots of people have said that, that it's really entertaining. There's probably like one too many jokes about like animals mating <laughs> or poo. There's a couple things about poo. To be fair, they're in the jungle, and it's like, well, that's what you do when you're in the jungle. You poo. And that's okay. It's It's whatever. But it was really fun, and I think it has a good message. Do you think... It has some of those similar like Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle vibes of the people who saw Dora at the age they were then as would kids have, would have can see this, this movie at the age they are now uh-huh. and enjoy what they're watching. I think that's a good part of it. I, yeah. And I think the adults love it too. It's in the trailer, but it's the whole thing where Dora's little like, oh, it's delicioso. And she, goes, and she just looks right at the camera and says, can you say delicioso? <laughs> And Michael Pena, who's playing her father, who I love, Michael Pena, he's just like, she'll grow out of it. Don't worry about it. But (laughs) but in the theater, the little kids said, delicioso. Of course. back at her. And then they cut to grown-up Dora. She's probably about 15, 16. And she's doing the exact same thing, only now she's got a GoPro camera attached to her backpack. (laughs) And that's what's happening. So she didn't outgrow it. And I think that's adorable and cheeky. And also just like the exact right note. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the right way to play it. And instead of just doing the same thing over again. Yeah. She is like her own little cartoon character throughout the movie, but it's perfect. <laughs> and it's just fun. I think it's a really enjoyable film. 
again, there's a lot of poop jokes and there's a lot of jokes about mating. So, so maybe take your like 10 or 11 year old. I mean, Lucy, it didn't it didn't even phase her. She thought it was funny. She liked it. So. Yeah. So it was great. I I was not mad about spending money to see that film. Well, I feel like with The Farewell, we are really on the cusp of Oscar season, huh? Yeah. This summer has just been like every movie we were like, oh, that looks good, got panned by everybody and then instantly went away from the theater. And then we also went out of town. We went to Baltimore for BronyCon and then we also moved. So our movie viewing time has been really limited, but we're about to hit crazy start of Oscar season and also just like crazy like big fall movies and I'm really excited about it too coming out soon set two Ford versus Ferrari looks interesting yeah there's a lot coming some obvious Oscar bait and some not so obvious Oscar December movies. is gonna be so freaking busy for us for a multitude of reasons I mean we're gonna have all four shows running at that point but and Star Wars but Star Wars Jumanji 2 Little Women there are a ton of movies coming out that are going to be working hard for those Oscars. And I'm looking forward to it. We love Oscar season. It's like the best thing ever. Although, let's be real. Star Wars takes precedence over everything. I understand. I think this year we'll actually be able to do a midnight showing. So, yeah. Yes. All right. Well, until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.